Good morning, guys. Revelation chapter 18 this morning, so grab your Bibles, turn there. Exciting stuff going on. Freedom Fellowship softball team won last night the tournament uh, and the season, second year in a row. But even more exciting than that, guys, have you seen in the news the UAE and Israel and the United States have put together this peace treaty and it's getting pushed through. And there's not a whole lot of kickback from the other Arab nations, Turkey, of course. But I think about Ezekiel 38 and 39. In the last days, are things coming together? Well, they've been coming together for a long time. Jesus is coming, guys. The church is going to be raptured soon, Lord willing. I can't wait to see him. But this is really exciting stuff. And I encourage you guys to look into it. Uh, read up on what's happening over there online. Of course, our media here in the United States um, doesn't really care about that kind of stuff. They want to, they have their own agenda and talking about their own stuff, virus, virus, virus all the time. Um, but anyways, this is historical, what's going on right now. Um, and it's exciting times in which we live. So we're so thankful for that. Something God's asked us to do as believers is to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And this is another just huge key. It's going to be a blessing to the economy over there. Uh, in the Middle East, uh, people are suffering. They got it rough there, and this is going to be beneficial in a lot of ways, more than anything, uh, to be at peace, Lord willing, uh, because we've seen in our lifetime, at least, since Israel has returned to the land, just like we were told that would happen in the last days. They are there, and Jerusalem is a cup of trembling to all nations, as Zechariah 12 tells us, and we're told to pray for the peace of Israel. So, Father, as we have gathered together this morning to uh, worship you to study your word. God, we want to be doers of it. And you've told us to pray for the peace of your people of Jerusalem. And we're so thankful, God, for just what you've done, for President Trump pushing this uh, through in the peace treaties. God, it's something you've asked us to do, just to love one another. And uh, we just pray, God, that your people, your creation, that we would do that well and that your hand would be upon uh, just Jerusalem, Israel, God, that your peace would be there. And we just thank you that we get to see what your word spoke thousands of years ago unfolding right before our eyes. It's exciting times in which we live. And we know Bible prophecy can stir us up good as your kids. It can get our eyes upon you, Lord. You've told us these things beforehand that our hearts wouldn't be troubled. And we so see so many people that are just overwhelmed uh, in whatever situations, the chaos that's going on all around us. And uh, you told us these things beforehand would happen, Lord, and you're, you're there for us, and we're so thankful for that. And I just pray once again, as we have opportunity to get in your word here, that you would uh, just speak to our hearts, that you'd encourage my brothers and sisters, and we ask this in your name. Amen. So you guys excited about what's been going on? I am. Uh, real quickly, before we jump into 18, I just want to recap a little bit, because we know a lot of what was going to happen um, before Christ returns, what would be happening in the world because the Bible speaks of it so much. If you're a student of Bible prophecy, you know that today is spoken about more than any other time in regard to prophecy. It's very exciting. Just the existence of Israel itself is a miracle. Do you guys know that? Okay, 2,000 years dispersed as a people group and they come back to their homeland. Never has happened ever, not even close to another people ever doing that. But God said, hey, this is what's going to happen. You're going to know the end is near 
when this happens. And I loved being able to go over to Israel in February and actually see (laughs) the land is there. God's people are being called back home. And that's something we're also told that would happen in the last days from all over the world, four corners. And do you guys know that, that just in the last couple of weeks, the Jewish state has had to say no to uh, these Hebrews, Jewish people, wanting to come home. They have gone out of their way. They're building like crazy over there, receiving millions of Jewish people, giving them a year off when they come, learn the language, learn our culture, get acclimated, and then you can get to work. But there are so many people recently in the last couple months coming unlike any other time before. They are not prepared for them all returning. This is the first time that they've had to say no. Wow. Bible prophecy right before our eyes happening. So it's neat when we think about all the things surrounding Israel, that Jerusalem would be under Israeli rule. We see that today, that they're the spotlight of the world. This is what went down with the UAE and the United States and Israel this last week. This is historic, okay? And it's a bummer that the news isn't covering this. This is big news that's going to have implications for a long time if the Lord doesn't return. Um, it's huge. Um, search for peace in the Middle East is you know, prophesied in the Bible over and over again. Uh, when we were there in Israel, we saw the Bible Institute, or the Temple Institute, sorry. Um, last 25, 30 years, they've been planning on rebuilding the third temple. Do you guys know that they're ready to go with that? And Bible prophecy talks about the last days that the temple's going to be standing. It's not standing right now. But it's ready to go. That's pretty exciting. Also, in the last days, nations are specified in Ezekiel 38 and 39 concerning uh, things going down. And we know that Russia uh, there is, is, is going to be a part of it. And I'm excited in light of what's uh, transpired this last week, how Russia is going to play into that, how Turkey might get involved because we know they don't like what's going on right now, but it's kind of fun just seeing how this might play out and what's going to happen. Um, of course, this is not specifically Bible prophecy, but it's a stage definitely getting set. And that's exciting stuff. Um, Also concerning the last days, we know that the superpower, no superpower will intervene on Israel's behalf when they are finally being taken over and invaded. Well, don't we here as Americans in the United States, don't we stand with Israel? Aren't we the only ones? Yeah, we do that. Okay. President Trump had a huge play in what just went down. Okay, he's pro-Israel. Last week, some people asked, well, you told us to vote, Pastor. How do you vote? And I always tell you guys what? Vote your morals. You know, for me, I'm pro-life. Okay, I'm pro-Israel. Why? Because they are the apple of God's eye. Those who bless her will be blessed themselves. We're told to stand. But there will come a day, guys, when we no longer stand. Okay, our current president's been the most pro-Israel president we've ever had when we were over there. You guys remember, we went up to Trump Heights. Okay, they actually have dedicated an area of land in Israel to him. He moved the embassy to Jerusalem itself. Other presidents said they would, they never did. It's there, we got to go to the embassy right there. And by the United States choosing to do that, it kind of put a stamp of approval. Yes, Jerusalem is the capital. And that's what Bible prophecy said was going to happen. So it's pretty exciting that we actually get to see these things, guys, 
firsthand right before our eyes. I'm excited. So how do I vote? Pro-life, why? Because God is for life. Pro-Israel, because God is for Israel. Freedom, isn't it for freedom's sake that God came? Those are top three things for me. So vote your values, guys. Pretty simple. Enough said on that. Uh, but when it comes to what we've been considering recently, because we've been in Revelation, and that's all end times, isn't it? Right? We looked at the church age, and then we got into chapter 6, and boom, we're considering the Great Tribulation. What's going to happen in that Jacob's trouble, that seven-year period of time, the Great Tribulation? What's going to happen in that time? And it's out yet future, but it stirs us up knowing that God is going to come back and set everything right that is wrong in the world. Because it's easy for you and I to point out all the wrongs. Even the things the world's wanting to call good is actually wrong according to God. And that's what we've been considering as we're in Revelation 17, considering the world system, mentality, Babylon, even the religious system last week. And we'll look this morning here in chapter 18 about the political, economic um, system of Babylon in the world today. And as a result, we're going to see apostasy. And we're going to see it in the church. We considered that. It's happening right before our eyes, a departing from the faith. We also know that false teachers and false prophets will arise in the last days. It's happening because men of God who are on YouTube, they're not saying the same things, guys. They're saying a lot of different things, and they can't all be true, can they? Okay? So it's just like, what's up? How can we have so many teachers teaching different things? That's what you get when there's a lot of false teachers. It's happening right before our eyes. Also, we know that there's going to be a boom in technology in the last days. Okay, we've read about these two witnesses. Remember in chapter 11, they're going to come on the scene and the whole world's going to see them die, right? Well, how is that possible? I have a screen in my pocket. <laughs> okay, if that goes down, guess what? I'm going to be able to watch it right from my pocket, okay? It's possible because of technology. We considered recently the Antichrist coming on the scene. And hey, globalization is something that's spoke about in the last days, right? Prophecy comes around that. Well, the Antichrist is going to have this mark. And you're going to have to take his mark, the mark of the beast, if you want to sell, if you want to buy anything, if you want to be able to live and survive globally speaking. And there's a push today. For the globalization of the world, we see that happening, and especially in light of this COVID virus, it's globally affecting everything, and there's a big push right now to pull us even more together, and I think, how is that even possible unless we have the technology we have today? Because 100 years ago, they wouldn't be able to pull off what potentially we have the technology to do today, or it's right around the corner. It's kind of exciting to see, hey, the Bible says these things are going to happen in the last days, but even if we just look back a few decades ago, that was impossible. Even Israel being in the land, that wasn't until 1948, okay? That wasn't that long ago, guys. So we see these things coming together. And just to wrap this up, because I could talk end times with all the stuff that's going on, but there's two things that Jesus said specifically would come around the last days. The world would be characterized by these two things. One of them is lawlessness. Lawlessness has always been here. And I'm not that old, but it seems like it's getting a lot worse. We're calling evil good today. In good evil. Okay, it's gotten to that point. 
I think throughout history, people could agree that killing's wrong. No, that's okay. <laughs> okay. Anyways, the killing of babies, how? How is that even allowed? You know, and then I see on Facebook all this stuff popping up lately about sex trafficking of children. Of course that's wrong. That is perverse. That's wicked. How could that ever even happen on our watch? But it is. How is this even happening? Because of lawlessness, guys. We see it abounding today. Another thing Jesus said that we would see would be violence. Is there violence today? No, they're peaceful protests. That isn't violence. Really, that, you're going to call that peaceful protesting? No, that is violence. Okay? They're more killing. Some of these major cities, just not far. You know, a few hour drive, Chicago. I think they've had more murders in the last month than they've had in their history of a city. Like, what is going on? Violence all around us. And then we are told that organized faith is going to, or organized church is going to turn away from the faith. And we see that. We see apostasy. We see people walking away. The stuff's coming to pass right before our eyes, guys. And these are just a few things. I could sit here and exhaust for hours with you guys, things the Bible talks about end times. But that kind of comes as back around to our worldly mindset. What is going on? Why are these things happening? And part of it is the Babylonian mentality that the world has embraced. Okay, And that brings us to chapter uh, 18 this morning. Well, first I want to talk a little bit um, as I studied this week, uh, there was, there's a lot of disagreement and debate over is what we studied last week in chapter 17, the religious Babylon. Is that the same or is it different from the economic commercial Babylon that we study and read here in chapter 18? And as I was reading, I'm just like, I'm seeing a lot of correlations. Could it be the same world system? Could it be speaking of the same thing or is it different? So as a good student of the Bible, because I've been taught one way my whole life and I'm seeing a lot of correlations, I'm just like, whoa, wait a minute, could be the same. And then I jumped in and I began to read a lot of different respected Bible teachers out there and they all disagree. I'm just like, okay, I know it's okay to disagree. Do you guys know that it's okay to disagree on things? We don't have to agree on everything, especially when it comes to eschatology. You guys know there's things yet future. You know, we see it, we can read it, but we don't know exactly how things are going to play out. Okay, so we've got to give a lot of grace in regards to that. But they, these different scholars, they look at this issue differently. Okay, and I, I appreciate it. I was able to read and get their input because some of the things I was seeing, hey, that is correct. Other people are seeing it. I'm not as crazy as I think I am. But also what I've been taught, hey, a lot see the same things there scripturally. So it's kind of fun as we consider the two manifestations of Babylon here, you know, whether it's just the religious and the, the commercial or if they're all linked together in the same. So there are definite similarities in both uh, chapter 17 and 18. We know that both are ruled by who? The Antichrist. That's very clear. Um, they're both... Uh, ruling queens, we're told. They both are filled with blasphemies. We're told both hate Christians, okay, the saints. Um, we're also told they shed the blood of the saints. Uh, they're all associated with kings in fornication, and both are under judgment and are destroyed. So there are similarities between these two. 
However, there's also some significant differences that come up. You guys remember last week? Okay. Um, Mystery Babylon was symbolized as what? A harlot, a woman. Okay. The harlot woman. And then identified with Rome. Okay. I've been to Rome. That's inland in Italy. Okay. The woman, the whore, the mother, guilty of religious abominations. And we're also told that they they destroyed by a political power uh, that previously supported her. And then this morning we get into chapter 18, speaking to that economic or commercial Babylon in chapter 18, where we see it is symbol as a great city, identified as a port city. So that would actually be coastline. Okay, so that's a difference. Habitation, great city, marketplace, guilty of greed and self-indulgence, and also destroyed suddenly by God. So in my view, guys, uh, it's best, I think, to intertwine, but yet see the distinctions between these two Babylons in these two chapters. So in Revelation 17 is judged midpoint um, of that seven-year period of time, this great tribulation that we are told about Jacob's trouble, right? Okay, we saw Bible prophecy already fulfilled 483 years from Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 to 27. That's been fulfilled And there's that seven years hanging out there. And everybody's just like, what about the seven years? That's still out there. What were the Jews doing with that before we had the prophecies given to us in Revelation? Because Revelation really is unlocking what's going to go on during that last seven years of judgment or wrath appointed by God, um, dealing essentially with Israel. Um, But when we consider these prophecies, we shouldn't be surprised that we see both of them are a double fulfillment being spoken of two different timings, okay? So if we have, you know, we have religious Babylon halfway through the tribulation judge and then commercial Babylon being judged at the end of the tribulation, we see things like that in Scripture, double fulfillments all the time. One of my favorite studies in prophecy is about Jesus because I love Jesus. I love, <laughs> hey, what does the Bible say about him? Okay, if his testimony it comes around the spirit of prophecy, how important then is the foretelling of him? And there's so many scriptures talking about the Messiah. Do you guys know that? Okay, and so many talk about his first coming, which is easy for us to study those prophecies because we can look back and say, hey, that happened. That was fulfilled exactly like God said. But then we have so many more prophecies about his second coming you know, and we get excited because we know prophecy is sure it's going to happen just like God said. But I wanted to share a few with you guys to make this point here because there's Old Testament uh, scriptures that say things concerning his first coming. One from Micah 5 2, Micah said the Messiah would come out of Bethlehem. Was that true? Great. Hosea said the Messiah would come out of Egypt in Hosea 11 1. Was that true? Oh. Well, Malachi said the Messiah would come out or come to the temple. We have Zechariah who said that the Messiah would come to Zion in Zechariah 9.9. And then Isaiah said the Messiah would come to Galilee in Isaiah 9 uh, verses 1 and 2. So which of these is true, guys? They're all true, aren't they? So isn't it strange to say Babylon is fallen? Okay, and then it uh, mean really two things okay two senses there religious babylon and commercial babylon then 
two different times, the middle and the end of the great tribulation. Okay? We see that happen in Bible prophecy all the time. So this passage is very much in style of the Old Testament prophecies of the doom regarding wicked cities. So the two examples of Babylon, if you're a note taker, jot down Isaiah chapters, verse, or chapters 13 and 14, speak specifically to that. And also the prophet Jeremiah in chapters 50 and 51 uh, speak to that. Um, you throw in Isaiah 21 too. Uh, there's a few verses there. And then they speak of Tyre in Ezekiel 26 to 28. And we don't have time to cover all that because we need to get into Revelation 18. <laughs> is this literal or a symbolic city? I think is the one question we need to ask before we jump in. Uh, I mentioned last week that Hudam Hussein, I looked it up a little more this week, 1986 began to rebuild in there in Iraq in the desert, the old city of Babylon. Um, and there's been efforts to, you know, get it up and running. They just can't make it happen, <laughs> okay? It's there. Potential is there. A lot has been started, and maybe they will finish it one day. But most likely, guys, as we consider the scriptures here, when we come to commercial Babylon, it's symbolic, like the religious Babylon. So when the Lord was here on the earth, and he tells us in John 15, verses 18 and 19, he spoke about great hatred of the world, okay? Um, the world hated him and his own, right? So what this world, you know, this world was a combination of religion, government, and commerce. So in other words, uh, when we consider Babylon throughout Scripture, it's referred to as the world. So it's a world system, Babylon system, worldly. It's coming against Christ and Christ's kids. Um, so Babylon is, um, you know, a part stand for which Christ has called the world. So with that, let's jump into chapter 18 here. Um, another glorious angel shows up with a message. After these things, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was illuminated with his glory, and he cried mightily with a loud voice, saying, Babylon, the greatest fallen, is fallen, and has become a dwelling place of demons, and a prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of her wrath in her fornication. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. Merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. So the illuminated with his glory here, um, this angel coming down from heaven. Can you guys just picture that? Okay. Just that fresh, freshness of being in the presence of God and coming down, being illuminated. I think about Moses when he met with God up on the mountain and they had to cover his face up because he was glowing. You know, just think about this angel in the presence of the Lord and being commissioned with this message to go and to share this. Just beautiful. And I think about how dark things are going to be at this point in the tribulation and just beautiful angel coming uh, into that darkness and just shining forth beautiful but how do i know it's an angel i'm so glad you guys asked the term another in the greek is alan which means uh, of the same kind okay and we read about that same kind where back in chapter 17 verse 1 which was an angel so babylon the great is fallen is fallen so the phrase is repeated okay 
And that just speaks like, hey, you're going to be damned. That's just the reality of it. No escaping it. So Babylon the Great has fallen here. Become a dwelling place of demons. Isn't that a sad fate? You think about Babylon the Great, right? This great city is now what? Home to these demonic beings? These demons? Okay, horrible creatures? The abundance of her luxury? Babylon's sin was not only idolatry, but it's referred here with, uh, with the term fornication, but it also has pride. And you guys know that God hates pride? In greed and selfish held wealth. That is what's drawn out of here. So we see now in verse 4, God's people, they're called to be separated from Babylon or from the world. You guys know that we're called to be set apart as believers in Christ. And that's the beautiful thing. We don't have to be a part of the world. Okay? God so loved the world. When we were yet sinners, the world, those who were apart from God, he came to his own creation, guys. You guys get that? To set us free. To set us apart. For anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be free. That's the beauty of it. So we read this stuff like this judgment stinks. Okay? Am I a part of this world? <laughs> or have I been set free by Christ? I hope you've been set free by Christ. If not, repent. You have a chance. These guys yet future, they don't have a chance. It's over. It's finished. They're damned period. Right now, we're in a dispensation, a time of grace. Aren't you guys thankful for that? I am so grateful for that. And we have great privilege right now to go and share that good news with other people. So, I heard another voice, verse 4, from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins, lest you receive her plagues, for her sins have reached to heaven, and God has remembered her iniquity. So come out of her. Who? My people. We are called to be set apart from the world, lest you share in her sins. So this is inconceivable, I think, for the child of God to be a part of religious Babylon, though the worldly influences, religions, creep in. Would you guys agree with me? You know, I love Christmas. That's right around the corner, Okay. 2020 has kind of been a hard one. I'm kind of looking forward to Christmas, okay? My kids are going back to school in a couple weeks. They're going to be gone. I've been loving having them home the last six months. I've thoroughly enjoyed that. I'm going to miss them. But, hey, Christmas is around the corner. I like the Christmas trees. Don't tell me, though, that the Christmas tree is about the cross. we got to remember the cross. I know some Christians do that. No, just enjoy the holiday, don't try to take in pagan rituals and tie it into our Christianity. Okay, I don't think it's wrong to celebrate things. I think it's wrong when we try to allow the world to creep in to our Christianity. Okay, That's just my take. If you don't agree, did I tell you guys this before? It's okay to disagree with me. It's totally okay. okay? Um, but it's one of those things we're called to be careful because I see not just Christmas, but just a lot of elements from worldly religion that's crept in. Even how we do church here today. You know, you guys hear me preach all the time. We're the church. The church is people. It's not a building, you know. But hasn't that mindset come in, crept in? No, it really is about a building. <laughs> it's got to be there at that place. I mean, we're so good at allowing worldly religious thought ideas 
to become a part of who we are and our identity. And that's where we got to really fight against that and come back to the scriptures, to truth. God, what do you say? What is my identity in you? Who do you say the church is? How are we to be set apart, to be different? So commercial Babylon then, uh, there's a materialistic lure that they have, and it's a constant threat that we need to be guarded against. I know none of you guys are materialistic, but yesterday I was looking at a hoodie online that I really like. It's zipped up, you know, had hood, had a little holder for the strings. And I'm just like, am I coveting this hoodie? (laughs) Little things like that, guys, we're materialistic, okay? And we got to really guard against that. So lest you receive her plagues, we're told. So the warnings focus towards saints who are in a position, okay? I think of Lot. You guys remember Lot with Sodom and Gomorrah? Okay, judgment was coming, but hey, righteous Lot, you need to be separated. You know, you're to have no part with this. And that's what he's saying to the saints here. Hey, Babylon, judgment is coming. Saints, you're to have nothing with Babylon, this worldly system. You, get out, depart. So come out of her. You guys can underline that in your Bibles. Okay, so the call to depart from Babylon in worldliness really represents a theme that we see frequently repeated over and over again in the scriptures. I'm going to throw out a few, jot them down. Isaiah 52, verse 11. Depart, depart, go out from there. Touch no unclean thing. Go out from her. Be clean. You bear the vessels of the Lord. Jeremiah 50, verse 8, flee from the midst of Babylon, again, the world, and everyone save his life. Jeremiah 51, 45, my people go out of the midst of her and let everyone deliver himself from the fierce anger of the Lord. And then we have the New Testament, 2 Corinthians 6, 14. What do we do as New Testament believers? We're told not to be unequally do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers for what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness and then we're told in ephesians 5 11 that we are to have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness but rather we expose them okay and the world doesn't like when we expose things guys they hated jesus they're gonna hate you and the thing that is beautiful guys there's times we don't even have to say a word We are the light of the world. Just as we are loving Jesus and loving others, guys, people are going to be just like, whoo, I don't like what you're saying to me, (laughs) you know, without saying a word, you know. I'll share a story with you guys. I was on my way back from Atlanta, Georgia, many 20-plus years ago now. Um, I was coming back with my brother, who doesn't believe in Jesus, um, and we're going through the, the Smoky Mountains down there. And it was fall, beautiful, beautiful drive. All I said, and I've always had to walk very carefully with what I say with my brother, and you guys may have similar people in your life that you love, and they're just sick of being preached at, okay? So you're very careful about what you say. All I said, guys, was like, wow, these mountains are beautiful. Stop preaching at me! You know, it's just one of those things because he knew as a believer in Christ that I was just enjoying my God's creation. I didn't say it that way. All I said is like, wow, these mountains are beautiful. Guys, if we're walking with Jesus, people know it, okay? And what we say or don't say 
It's going to be truth. It's going to be light to them. So let us walk in a way that is beautiful and honoring to God. And when we do speak, we should speak against false things, but let's do it in a Christ-like manner, in way. So, for her sins have reached to heaven. Got God's attention, right? The sins of her commercial Babylon have piled up kind of like a tower here. They're just kind of like the Tower of Babel, right? (laughs) Just going all the way up to heaven. It's reached heaven. So God has remembered her iniquities. So this is really the destiny for materialistic world. Uh, But towards believers, God says, Hebrews 8.12 tells us we need to remember. he He says he will remember no more our sins. And we have to remember that he doesn't remember. Our, I don't get it. But when you're in Christ Jesus, our standing is as holy. Even though you may have sinned this morning, and you might sin if you're like me later today, it's just what we do to the day we die. Hopefully we're walking closer to him, and we're being holy as he's holy, being sanctified more and more. But until we are glorified with him, we are still going to have a sin nature we struggle with in the flesh. That's just the reality. But the beauty is when you're in Christ Jesus, he does not see you as a sinner. He sees you as spotless. You've been washed by the blood of the lamb, guys. Okay, we need to hold to Hebrews uh, 8.12. Remember, or he remembers our sins no more. I love it. Oh, beautiful. Verse 6. Uh, Render to her just as she rendered to you and repay her double according to her works. In the cup which she mixed, mix double for her and in the measure which she glorified herself and lived luxuriously and in the same measure give her torment and sorrow and she says in her heart i sit as queen i am no widow and i will not see sorrow therefore her plagues will come in one day death and mourning and famine and she will be utterly burned with fire for strong is the lord god who judges her Surrender to her just as she rendered to you. Um, A few weeks back, I studied out the Greek in Mark chapter 12, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. And then there was a a preacher who preached a message on that. And I wish he would have studied the Greek out a little bit more. But in there, guys, we do give to Caesar what is Caesar's. And we are God's. And we are called to give to God what is God's. And it is easy when there is a love of money that is in our hearts. <laughs> it's easy for us to want to cling to the materialistic things of this world. It's in our nature. Um, but when we understand you know, that we're not our own, we know who's going to take care of us. When we are really walking in faith, we're able to let go of these false securities, guys because nothing's for sure I had a man come through the pantry a few years back and he sent me a letter uh, that I still have but just thank you so much for what you guys are doing at the pantry you know he lost a job which was a good paying job and he wasn't able to find another job uh, to go back to the way they had been living and they're like without you guys we would have lost our house just a little bit of help that we were able to do with food offset that you know, but I had several conversations with him and just that false security that we have, you know, in our savings, in our retirement fund, how quickly life changes. And in a few months, 
they can be all gone and all that security we thought we had because we've been diligent in our savings just gone think of another family the wife got cancer all their savings depleted within the year they were in debt had never been debt their lives because they were good stewards they saved well we don't know but we as christians guys okay we're banking on the lord we hold to him and when i read here about uh giving according to her works or, or repaying you know when we give to caesar if you actually look into the greek there and stuff it doesn't necessarily mean we give a good thing back to caesar because what Caesar dishes out, has given, isn't necessarily a good thing. Do you understand that? And when Jesus said that, I, I'm looking at that, uh, that parable, um, that answer a little differently today, giving to Caesar uh, what is Caesar's. And we look at these powers of the world, the many Caesars of this world, and things are falling apart. They're being repaid <laughs> what they've given out. And I think Jesus there, of course, in that uh, um, scripture there, you know, the question was posed politically, like, where are you going to stand politically, Jesus? And Jesus just didn't even want to play the game, you know. But he spoke, hey, there's a corrupt world system. (laughs) They're going to get what they're due, okay? That's what we give them. But hey, God, that's what you need to worry about. You give to God what is God's. And I think when we take scriptures like we're, having here set before us today and we take that seriously if we're truly set apart guys think about that what do we have to give well if i'm set apart and walking with the lord i have things to give to the lord and i don't know about you guys but i want to give as much as i can to him not because i owe him you know because the reality is i could never pay him what i owe like that's just goofy He's been so gracious and good. He's bought me at a great price. He gave all of himself. But because he loved me in such a way, that's why I want to be able to have things to give to him. Okay, I mentioned Hebrews before. It also tells us in Hebrews that, hey, ministering to others and loving in the name of Christ, those are things that he's going to remember. Those things that we do aren't in vain, guys. They're going to be remembered. I don't know about you guys, but I want to give a lot to God to remember, you know? And how do we do that? By living set apart and giving to God what is his. And if we're his, we're all of his, okay? So, um, repay her double according to her works. So, the mix for her, uh, for her double here, okay, double restitution. That makes me think of the Old Testament, Exodus 22, verses 4 to 9. If someone committed theft what did they have to repay twice as much okay so that makes me think of that when it talks about double here um and really this could also be speaking that babylon actually made her wealth through dishonest dealings maybe that's what's happened here repay her double according to her works so this passage i want you guys to catch because it really presents for you and i uh threefold sin did you guys catch them as we were reading it the first one would be self-indulgence. They lived luxuriously, okay? And then the second one would be pride. She prided herself, glorified herself is what the scripture says. Sits as queen. And then the third thing um, is avoidance of suffering. <laughs> I'm no widow. <laughs> I will not see sorrow. 
Okay, so these things are, are really characteristics of worldliness and materialism. Therefore, her plagues will come in one day. The destruction of commercial Babylon will come suddenly, and it will come with a completeness. So utterly burned with fire. Underline that. Maybe you can put next to your Bible, it's all going to burn. Do you guys know that? It's all going to burn. So lament for commercial Babylon here with the kings. Look at verse 9. The kings of the earth who committed fornication and lived uh, luxuriously with her will weep and lament for her when they see the smoke of her burning standing at a distance for fear of her torment. Saying, alas, alas, that great city Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour your judgment has come. So there, standing at a distance, we're told, for the fear of torment. So this great heat of the, the smoke of her burning, we're told. They couldn't even come, come near it, okay? I think about when we were cleaning out the barn a few weeks back before your guys' wedding, and we burnt stuff. And it was like, you got to stand far away. That heat just from a bonfire, you know, it was so big. We're back 30, 40 feet, and you still could feel it coming off. Just think about this great city, this destruction coming, guys. Some commentators say, hey, this might be an indication for nuclear bombs going off. Right? Who knows? We're told now in verse 11 that the merchants are going to, uh, lament, And we kind of see that just in light of this virus. How many small businesses, I mean, have lost everything. Some people, they've worked their entire life getting near. I'm about to retire, and I've just lost everything. We've had to close up shop. Um, I kind of thought about that as I studied through this. But look at verse 11. The merchants of the earth, they're going to weep, and they're going to mourn over her, for no one buys their merchandise anymore. Merchandise of gold and silver, precious stones and perils, fine linen of purple, silk and scarlet, every kind of certain wood and a kind of object of ivory and kind of object of most precious wood, bronze, iron, marble and cinnamon and incense, fragrant oil and frankincense, wine and oil, fine flour and wheat, cattle and sheep, horses and chariots, and the bodies and souls of men. The fruit of your soul longed for has gone from you. And all the things which are rich and splendid have gone from you, and you shall find them no more at all. The merchants of these things who become rich by her will stand at a distance for fear of her torment, weeping and wailing and saying, Alas, alas, the great city that was clothed with fine linen, purple, scarlet, and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls. For in one hour such great riches came to nothing. So merchandise of gold and silver, guys, this is a long list given, okay? And I, it needs little explanation here except to note they're all luxuries. Did you guys catch that? No necessities here, just the luxuries. And it is plain that the mourning then would be rooted in what? Self-indulgence. Okay? That's where the heart of the people of the world is at. It's all about me my comforts for no one buys their merchandise anymore john wolvard said this the combined picture is one of complete abandonment to wealth of this world and complete disregard of the god who gave it are we to that point capitalism just get to america and you can make it 
okay? You can be successful. Isn't that our mentality, guys? Isn't that what the world wants? You know, it's like, no, thank you, Lord. You guys know it's the will of God to give thanks in all things? It's not wrong to be rich and to have stuff. I'm not saying that. I'm hoping you're not hearing that from me this morning. If you've been blessed, praise the Lord. Thank him for it, you know? And it's not wrong to want to work hard and achieve things in this life. We're called to work. But we also have a place as believers, if we've been blessed, what do we do with those blessings? How do we honor God with those blessings? Okay? So it should not be rooted in self-interest is the point. Okay? That's what they're being called out for. And this is the one that got me, where it says, in the bodies, in the souls of men. So the prophets of commercial Babylon have come through uh, cruelly using others. That's how they got rich. They sold their bodies in the souls of men. You know, I think of slavery through the ages. I mean, here we're dealing with racism here today in our country. You know, shame on us that that was every part of our history, of anybody's history. But slavery is still going on in the world. I wish all this money that we're fighting our racism in our own backyard, you know, honestly, things are pretty good. There may be a few racists out there, but compared to the way things used to be, most aren't, okay? And trying to fight racism with racism, it don't work too hot because sin, you know, try to fix sin does not work. Bottom line, it's just foolishness. But I look at all the money is being wasted and funneled into these efforts. My head goes, what about those who are enslaved today right now in the world? If we really want to do something, let's do something. Let's change our efforts to things that, you know, are really going to make a change and actually impact people's lives, you know? And if we would just stop, just love each other, okay? (laughs) If we just do God's way, we wouldn't have these problems, okay? Oh, so they sold the bodies and the souls of men. So this idea, there's many applications. It's not just slavery, guys. I think it's, today it's so widespread. I think of the human trafficking, the prostitution, the pornography. I mean, the list just goes on. We're doing this today. It's not like we're sitting here, oh, would they ever do anything like that to another human being? Oh, that's unthinkable. No, that is thinkable. That's the day and the age we live in. I'm scared to let my kids just go outside and play because I don't know who's going to come by my house. My boys asked yesterday, hey, can I ride the bike over to the Dollar Tree? First thing through my head is like, man, I should go with them because I don't know what would happen, who might come, might come along their path. That's sad that we have to live like that, guys. You know, And we see it before us. It's not like, oh, this doesn't happen. No, it's everywhere we turn. So you shall find them no more at all, we're told. So those who live luxuriously in commercial Babylon will be tormented. Uh, their eternal absence from luxury is what's going to happen. You guys know that hell stinks. <laughs> it's going to be hot. And you're not going to have a cold cup of water. There's not going to be the luxury of that. As simple as a cup of water. So we have sea captains lamenting. Verse 17, even the shipmasters who travel by ship and sailors, as many as trade by the sea, stood at a distance. And they cried out when they saw smoke of her burning, saying, what is this like or this great city? And they threw dust on their heads and they cried out, weeping and wailing and saying, Alas, alas, the great city in which all who ships on the sea became rich by her wealth. 
for in one hour she has been made desolate. So again, little needs to be said there. But anyways, the commercial Babylon falls, really fall is selfish, okay? But in verse 20, guys, the call to heaven and to God's people is to what? To rejoice. Look at rejoice over her, O heaven. And you holy apostles and prophets, for God has avenged you on her. Wow. Why has God acted so quickly here? Because of the persecution of the saints. That's why he's done this. And we look today, we see brothers and sisters who are being persecuted today. We look at all throughout history. We look at the millions that will die for their faith in Christ during this great tribulation period. How long, Lord? Isn't that our heart cry? Why? How long will this go? But it's going to come to an end. There will be judgment. So rejoice over here, or or her. Uh, Should God's people rejoice when judgment comes? Yes. Okay? But we don't rejoice about the destruction of the judgment. Rather, we get to rejoice because of the righteous resolution of God's judgment and what it will mean and what will come as a result of it. I don't know about you guys. I'm excited for this to happen. I'm excited for God to come and right all the wrongs, to come in the government to finally be upon his shoulder where he rules and reigns here, the millennial kingdom. I'm looking forward to that. Yes, boys, take your bike for a ride as far as you want to go. Have a blast and not have to worry about what would happen. Wouldn't that be cool? I can't wait, guys. So verse 21, an angel uh, graphically here is showing Babylon's fall. It says, Then the mighty angel took a stone, like a great millstone, and threw it into the sea. Does that sound familiar, guys? Thus with violence the great city Babylon shall be thrown down and shall not be found anymore. So a mighty angel okay, took this stone, great millstone, and threw it into the sea. It's reminiscent of Jeremiah's instructions, right? In Jeremiah 51, verses 61, and on there are a few verses uh, where he instructs uh, Syria uh, to bind a stone to the text of Jeremiah and cast it into the Euphrates. It says, Thus Babylon sank and shall not rise from the evil that I will bring upon her, and they shall be weary. But we also think about what Jesus said in the New Testament, right? In Matthew chapter 18, verse 6, Jesus said, Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depths of the sea. And this applies here to Babylon in Revelation chapter 18. So why? Because it led others into sin. That's why, guys. So we need to be very careful, very careful how we walk. Are we following Christ that we can say to others, hey, follow me because I follow Christ? Or are we following something else? We need to be careful. Moms and dads, what are we leading our children into? We need to be careful. So the great city Babylon shall be thrown down and shall not be found anymore. Someday this world system will pass away like a great stone that falls to the bottom of the sea. Will this fall hurt us? I'm glad you guys asked. It's only going to hurt you to the extent that you have mentally given yourself to 
commercial Babylon to its materialism, to its worldliness. That's where you're going to get hurt. Things might be taken away from us, guys, but if we're giving ourselves to the things of the world, and if the world takes them away from us and it hurts, we really have to ask ourselves, what's going on? What am I clinging to? The temporal or the eternal? Because it hurts. And whether we like it or not, guys, we're still in the world, like I said before. But we're not to be of it. We should tread lightly. <laughs> okay? Um, I love plumbing. If they took plumbing away from me, I would be bummed. Just an example. But does that make sense? You know, there are things in this world that we enjoy, that we like, that we want. You know, what if it's taken away? You know, is my life over? No. It just means I got to start carrying a bucket down to the river. Not the Fox River. <laughs> but anyways, you guys get the point. Anyways, the sound of harpists, verse 22. Let's wrap this up. Musicians, flutists, trumpers. I talked with my sister-in-law, Jocelyn, yesterday. Uriah was there, too. Just the blessing of live music. Do you guys enjoy live music? Like, I love music, but there's just something about being around when somebody's playing on a piano or a violin or a guitar live. There's just something that's a blessing about that. So they're not going to be heard anymore. They're not going to be heard anymore. No craftsman of any craft shall be found in you anymore. The sound of a millstone shall not be heard in you anymore. The light of the lamp shall not shine in you anymore, and the voice of the bridegroom and the bride shall not be heard in you anymore. For your merchants were the great men of the earth, for by your sorcery all the nation shall be deceived. So when it says shall not be heard or shall not be found anymore, shall not be heard anymore, shall not shine anymore, um, this is very graphic, poetic imagery language being used here and John really is describing for you and I this um, industry and commerce of Babylon of the world um, and how it comes to an end it's just not going to be anymore there's no more amazon.com be here tomorrow <laughs> it's gone um, for by your sorcery we're told here all the nations were deceived. Sorcery, of course, is that Greek word pharmakia, okay, which means to prepare drugs. So the lure of commercial Babylon is like a drug addiction, okay, fed by deceptive advertising. You know, some of this stuff, I just, we don't have TV at home, okay, so it's not like we're watching and we have all the commercials. We still watch stuff, like we have like Netflix or will YouTube stuff and watch things that way. But I hate when those advertisements pop up. You know, like this morning, I'm looking up, you guys ever hear the band Selah? They cover a lot of hymns. You know, I've been loving the song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus lately. And I popped it up and they had an advertisement before I could have this worship song, you know, and it was one of these guys who's running for president. And I'm like, I don't want to see this advertisement before I'm about to worship the Lord. But that's how our world's working today. This is what you need. And it's just pumping us. This is what you need. And we've had it in our entire lifetime. It's everywhere now. You know, fun little video games the kids might be playing. You know, advertisements pop up. You turn on the televisions, advertisements. You guys are going to pull out of here and you drive home. And whether you notice it or not, we have billboards in the middle of the city. 
hey, you should go eat at Taco John's. <laughs> like just, you know, there's advertisement everywhere. There's worldly things. Um, but it's like an addiction. This advertisement, you need, you need, you need. And that's why people have a hard time not swiping the credit card, you know, and going into debt because we think we need all this stuff. No, it's just materialistic, okay? It's not really needed. Um, verse 24, the ultimate reason for commercial Babylon's judgment, she's killed the saints, the prophets. And in her was found the blood of the prophets and the saints and all who were slain on earth. So the extent of this charge is really um, an indication of this great system uh, being symbolic of a world system at large. There is no literal city that's responsible for the persecution of all the prophets and saints, guys. Um, so in her was found the blood of the prophets and the saints. So God takes the persecution of his own very personal. And aren't you guys glad for that? He cares for you. Well, why is this wrong being done to me? Why am I being persecuted like this? Why all this spiritual warfare? Why another thing? God, okay? Guys, we need to have an eternal perspective that's not going to go unjudged, okay? We will be rewarded. We are promised to go through tribulation in this life, okay? There is wrath we go through. This wrath, praise the Lord, God's wrath upon planet Earth, we believe that we're going to be home with Jesus because we're not appointed to his wrath. But there is the wrath of the enemy. There is the wrath of this world. There is the wrath that comes to those who will not conform, you know, but are set apart to Jesus Christ. They hate him and they're going to hate us. That's the bottom line. I want to close with a passage from Luke chapter 12 in a way of an encouragement to us this morning because as we read a Revelation 18, this can be pretty heavy stuff. And I'm okay with that because it does turn us to Jesus, okay? We have faith that he is going to do what he said. Our spirits cry out all the more, Maranatha, <laughs> come quickly, Lord Jesus. Um, and that's good because everyone we're told who looks for him, his coming, 1 John 3, 3, will purify himself as he is pure. And I don't know about you guys, purity is a beautiful thing. When we can walk uprightly before to be that type of bride <laughs> for the coming of our bridegroom. Man, don't you guys want to be beautiful and ready when he comes? When he comes, I don't want to be doing worldly stupid stuff. You know, hey, Pastor Lyndon. Yeah, wasn't the rapture cool? That was, that was awesome. What were you doing when we got raptured? I don't want to have to tell you I was doing worldly stuff. I'd love to be able to say, hey, I was about Jesus' business. I was loving him and loving others. You know? That's what he deserves, guys. So, let's take, oh, we'll look there too. I said Luke 12, right? We'll start there. One other passage. It's all good. You guys know the word of God is so sweet. Look at verse uh, 13. Anyways, I told you guys before to mark in chapter 18 that it's all going to burn, right? We saw that. Do you guys live in that mentality? It's all going to burn or rust <laughs> if you have a car like mine. Anyways, uh, verse 13, then from the crowd said to him, teacher, so this guy has a question for Jesus. Tell me, my brother has or to divide the inheritance with me. Now, I'm not going to expound on this whole passage because I just want the word to speak to us. But the question comes from a place in the Jewish 
uh, traditions that, hey, the oldest son, when mom or dad pass away, there's an inheritance that's left. Oldest son, you're to divide it up for all the kids. Youngest son, you get to pick first. That way it was fair for everybody. So this guy's like, hey, teacher, tell him to do his job, okay? And then verse 14, but he said to him, and I love Jesus. (laughs) He's just like, I love how he answers people. Man, who made me a judge and a tributor over you? And he said to them, take heed, beware of covetousness. What is the one sin that is overlooked more than any other, at least in our culture? I would probably say covetousness. Even the Apostle Paul, I wouldn't have known that I coveted unless the law was there. But that's our human nature. And that plays into worldliness and materialism big time. And Jesus himself says, watch out for covetousness. For one, one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. And then he spoke another parable to them saying, the ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully, or plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, what shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? He said, hmm, I will do this. I'll pull down my barns and I'll build greater. And there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. And then I love the scriptures go on to tell us, verse 22, And he said to his disciples, Therefore I say to you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. Life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens, they neither soar nor reap, which have neither storehouse nor barn. God feeds them. Or how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by worrying, can add a cubit to your stature? If you then are not able to do the least, why are you anxious for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed as one as these. And if then God has clothes the grass, which today is in the field and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you O you of little faith, and don't seek what you should eat or what you should drink, nor have an anxious mind. For these things the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knows that you need these things, but seek the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell what you have. Give alms. Provide yourself money bags which do not grow old in treasure in heaven that does not fail. Where thief approaches, no thief approaches, and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So what do we treasure first, guys? I hope it's Jesus. 
I hope it's him number one, okay? In righteousness, I think of Romans 14, 17, okay? Righteousness, peace, and joy. These are the things of the kingdom of God. Brother and sister, that's what God has for us now, today. These are good things. And then just a couple of verses from 1 Timothy 6, and we'll wrap up. Did I already say we were going to wrap up? I'm sorry. That's the curse of the pastor. Pray for them. How many of you guys were really encouraged just by reading those few words of Jesus? Okay. We are dealing with anxiety unlike any other time in recent history. Okay. I mean it with a lot of people. It's just overwhelming. We get to cast our cares upon him, our anxieties upon him, knowing he cares for us. But our souls can be refreshed in his words, guys. I'd encourage you, if you're really going through it, spend time in the Gospels. Be reading those red letters. They are so good and they are so refreshing for our soul. Okay. So 1 Timothy chapter 6 speaks to this theme a little bit more for you and I. Let's look at verse 6 together. Now godliness with contentment is great gain. Isn't that a good verse? Okay, God tells us great gain for you and I is contentment with godliness. A lot of us aren't content because we want things to be maybe the way they were or we want this or that. No, be content. And then he goes on to tell us in verse 7, for we, were, we brought nothing into this world and certain we're going to carry nothing out. And having food and clothing with these, we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmless or harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It's not money itself. It's the love of money. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Okay. For which some have strayed from the faith because of their greediness and pierce themselves through with many sorrows. Jump down to verse 17. And command those who are rich. I feel rich. Okay? I feel filthy rich. I've been so blessed. God has given so much. I live in the wealthiest nation that there's ever been. I live like a king. Okay? Super blessed. So being rich, those who are rich in this present age, don't be haughty, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in living, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves good foundation for a time to come that they may lay hold of eternal life. Okay? We are rich. Enjoy Jesus. Share the blessings God's given you. You will have neighbors that are in need. Love on them. Share with them. We are going to go through a hard time in years to come just in light of the last six months. We're seeing fallout in part, and it's going to affect really the world as a whole. You know, culturally, it'll, it'll be a little tougher on us. 
but there are going to be individuals. We all know people who have lost jobs. Every single one of us know people who have. How can we come alongside them to bless them, to serve them, to use what God's given us? I think about Appleton schools closing up um, or going virtual um, this next year. 16,000, I mean, school's right around the corner here. And some people really tripped. Like, how could they let this happen? This isn't right. You know, you can't do this to us. Our kids, I need to work. My kids need to go to school. You know, and they're, yeah, that is a good thing. That should happen. But it's not happening. And my first thought wasn't like, bummer, how could they do that? My first thought was like, hey, how can we as a church meet this need? How can we insert ourselves and be a blessing? How can we bring the gospel? Would it be really cool if the church here in the valley would rise up and say, hey, we're pretty stinking rich. Let's hire some teachers. Let's open some of our bigger facilities that we have and invite these 16,000 students because probably half of them, mom and dad would jump at any chance for them to actually go and be on location somewhere. And we'll send a bunch of these unbelieving children to these Christians who love Jesus to get educated. And what are we going to educate them with? Yeah, we'll educate them, but we'll also share the hope and the love of Jesus Christ with them. How cool would that be? But we're in a place, guys, you know, do we have the resources? Yeah. Are we willing to use them? I don't know. What do we cling to? You know, and I'm not trying to put a trip on you. You guys know we're not legalistic like that at, <laughs> at uh, Freedom here. But I just think about us as a church, if we were really generous, is our God has been generous to us, how much we can do. We put so much stock in our government. Hey, the government, they can take care of us. Do you guys read the same book I read? Christians, I'm calling you to go take care of the homeless, the poor, the hungry, the needy, the unclothed, those in jail. I'm asking you, not a big government, you, I'm asking. Well, Lord, when did we give you a cup of cold water? When did we see you naked? When did we feed you? Guys, that's our lives. That's what we're called to. We shouldn't be looking at what I'm doing. No, it's just who I am. This is how I live. We've been given so much, guys. And the greatest wealth gift that we have is Jesus that's it's him we get to share with this world amen one last verse I'm sorry guys I have to and then we're going here next week chapter 19 of Revelation and this I share with you to encourage your hearts my heart this morning verse 7 of Revelation 17 let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory for the marriage of the lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready isn't that cool father in heaven that's our desire we want to be ready for you we don't know the day or the hour but we're sure crying out maranatha come quickly lord jesus and let it be by your grace god through the working of your holy spirit in your church that we all would have our hands to the plow being about your business when you come, Lord, that you would find your bride ready, beautiful. God, we know that you are able because it's all about you, Jesus. It is you. Thank you for the hope. Thank you for the blessings. Thank you for the good and the bad. 
that you're using it all for your purposes, God. And we want to be on mission with you, doing our part, Lord, whether it's just loving our spouse rightly, our kids, Father, training them, teaching them, Lord, going and knocking on our neighbor's door, going down to the pantry, whatever. We just want to be up to what you're up to. We want to be following you closely. So help us to do that well, please. For your glory we pray. Amen? Amen. Amen.